Hi. Hi. This is Double Bluff. The comedy podcast where we teach a lot and lie a little. I'm Renee. And this is Carissa. And, uh, what's up? Uh, so much. So I've discovered a new lesbian Discord server that I use exclusively to beg people to play Scribble IO with me. Do you know what that is? Do you know what Scribble IO is? No, you've been inviting me to play for a while, and I've been <laughs> like, I'll cross this bridge when I get here. I don't know what this is. I assume it's like Drawful. Yeah, I don't know. It's what just, drawful is it just is. Pictionary? It's Pictionary. I, I it's pr- how Pictionary. It's Pictionary. Yeah. Apps keep just remaking Pictionary and calling it different <laughs> shit. It's all just Pictionary. And they're all bad puns. Yes, exactly. Anyway, is this like a tender romantic lesbian activity that it's like... Zero percent. We get so competitive and there's like <laughs> like slurs thrown around here and there. Like everyone's like, you're a dyke. No, I'm... <laughs> I thought you meant like racial slurs. I was going to say like, oh, you guys no. don't, like your guys are not allowed to No, do that. no. I mean. <laughs> we do not say the N-word. I'm referring exclusively to the words bitch and dyke and perhaps cunt if someone really messes up. Yes. You know what? Here's the thing. Okay. I'm with you. I think- Like, I think it took me some time. I was resistant. I was like, I want to keep bitch and cunt because they're so, um, they can be something that's so personal, you know? Or like, like they're just- (laughs) your comfort word. They're a comfort word sometimes. And like, there are times when I really would like to use them, not like against and to harm a woman, but I'm like, I want these. But now like- I, I'm kind of coming around to see that they are slurs. Kind of. Woman, they are slurs. No, no, I know. But what I need is to fill the void. Do you have any suggestions for words that are as pleasing in the mouth feel, in the ear feel, and the and the power that they hold? Cock. That, no. If I want to hurt a man, I cannot say cock. It's like too much of a porn word. And do you have any other suggestions? You know what? This is a really hard one. Because I know, like... There's a reason why we use certain slurs, right? There's a punch to it. The syllables, the consonants, they just fit together yeah. perfectly to give us something that we can say. Like, like, fuck is a sensory experience to say. Ah, yes. Right? You're. Thank you for putting that into words. Yes. Yeah. Right. So what I'm saying is you need to, you need to use the same kind of syllables. So like what makes ka-a-n-t, so ka so you got to use a word with ka in it. So um, where am I going? Where am I going? Car. Right. So. Cart. Um, <laughs> are you trying to, are you trying to engineer a new swear word with. Yeah. Or, or swear in another language. Like swear using French, um, Quebec French swears like tabarnak. <sighs> I can't, I can't, I can't describe to you how much like. Like, if you gave this advice to a child, let's say, like, he's 11, and you're like, you really want to beat those kids? You know, why don't you swear at them in French-Canadian? That'll show them. Um, You know how dead that kid would be? Deceased? I love the idea that there's an entire region of people that don't use 
female or sex-based swears. They just used the church. It's perfect. It's brilliant. That's where (laughs) we should all be going to. All right. Fine. I just need more swear words, I think, because yeah. I'm too attached to fuck. And it's like, sometimes I think like, I know it's not possible, but what if fuck was no longer available? What if in in 20 years, they cancel <laughs> fuck? What will I do? <laughs> You're fucked. <laughs> I'll have nowhere to go. You could be one of those old people that still says words, even though they're out of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> like, Grandpa's like- using the F slur. <laughs> Okay, speaking of slurs, speaking of being inappropriate, I think it's time for us to address something that I did last. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you go first, and then I'm going to address something that I did, but you go first. (laughs) Okay. I don't think – okay, here, audience, really quickly – Really quickly, I don't think Carissa's thing is really a thing. <laughs> I think I should just put that out there. But go ahead, Carissa. So make I your think- YouTube apology. <laughs> For my YouTube apology, I need to have fake tears in my eyes and a hoodie. What What would your What would your clickbait title be for this apology? Ending everything! Exclamation! <laughs> <laughs> no, not even an exclamation mark. Ending everything in bang. So it's like, really? <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> but also excited about it. <laughs> okay, okay. Say your thing. Okay, yeah. So last episode, when we were talking about movie characters that we would be perfect for, I put forward the movie The Kite Runner for Renee because in my head, I hadn't really made the connection, but it was because the little kid in The Kite Runner is an Asian kid and Renee is half Asian. <clears throat> and so I was making a racist joke uh, about Renee where I was like, haha, you could play this Asian kid in this movie where he is raped and then dies. Um, Whoa, wait, <laughs> huh? I didn't know that was what The Kite Runner was about. <laughs> I, okay, now I'm sorry for saying it's the boy in the striped pajamas, but <laughs> Afghanistan version. Why did I say that? That was really <laughs> not right. Sorry, go on. <laughs> They're both tragedies. Anyway, so I um, said that, and then I realized later, that's racist. Like, that would be like saying, oh, you'd be such a good, like, you'd be so good in this movie about a Jewish person who died in the Holocaust because both of you have big noses. Like, it's not it's not appropriate. It's not the best thing to do. It's not the best comparison. And I think that, like, to just compare two Asian people and say, oh, you would be perfect for this role because you're both Asian is racist. Like, if I did that to anyone else, they would probably be a lot more offended. Um, and so I wanted to address that and admit that I did something that I didn't even catch. In my defense, Filipinos mm. are really racist to me in Dubai so <laughs> yeah that no that checks out yeah. Asian people <laughs> are very racist I'm sorry we are I can say that um okay so here so I have two things to apologize for okay. now the first one is sincere the, I I felt that last week when you were talking about the help and you were telling Viola's story and the story of how the help is I want to be clear it's yeah. a bad bad movie yeah. Listen. Yeah. I don't have a lot of love for that movie. I did back yeah. then, but I feel like I was too cavalier about it all. When yeah. really, if you watch the movie, it's pretty disturbing. Yeah. It's pretty disturbing. And yeah. I think I was being a little cavalier when, yeah. like, you had a really very serious and great story to tell. And if you listen to the unedited version of that section, I'm just like spouting 
a lot of bullshit and making a lot of comments that are kind of like, just like, just shut up, like be a listener for once. Um, so I'm sorry for that. And thank you for telling Viola's story. Here's the second thing I'm going to apologize for. I'd like to apologize to all Filipinos for not knowing Manny Pacquiao's name. <laughs> I am actually afraid that if any of my relatives hear it, like they will be like actually upset. Um, I think I, I wound up calling him Manny Paquinto in the end. Like that was my solution. It's like, I was like vaguely Spanish. Yeah, it was like, I don't know what it really is. So I'm just going to substitute different sounds for what I think. Mm -hmm. It is Manny Pacquiao. I've always known that. I was just blanking. Okay. It's, it's Manny Pacquiao. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so we both got out our YouTube apologies. This means we're never apologizing for anything else again. So suck it, listeners. But yeah, so how have you been, actually? We've talked a lot about me and my apologies, but have you been? Um, I'll say I've been doing like a ton of comedy shows lately, uh, which has been, you know, that was my dream. That was why I got the nine to five and I quit my my night shift job. So it's really panning out nice. Um, the past two nights I've done two shows. One of them tore me down <laughs> lower than I've ever been in my whole life. Like it was the loudest room of all time. And there was like a small pool of people at the front of this enormous bar who were listening. But then when I got up there, disengaged oh. as I was talking, I was like, oh, the people who the people who are here for the comedy don't even want to listen oh. to me. So like, have you ever just like done an entire set and nobody's looking at you? Oh, everybody's speaking and your voice is getting drowned out by like other people's voices like it was dark and then the other show I did last night was uh really nice really um very pleasant um so what one thing I should mention is like because I've been doing more shows you know a host will always ask me like what do you want me to say about you before you go up and I've started to say I have a podcast called oh. Double Bluff and oh. I am trying to get over the pressing humiliation of saying our podcast name out loud. But for the first time yesterday, the host, I said, I have a podcast, Double Bluff. He goes, oh, and like, and what's the meaning of that? And I almost vomited with the like humiliation of explaining our podcast out loud. Like, I love our podcast and I believe in us. But I was like, I, I was like. Like we we teach stuff, but like one thing that we say is a lie, and it's like a little game show. It's like a little game show, you know. And I almost threw up. Like one day, I'll believe in us so much that I'll ask the host to say our tagline. Oh, I'll say no. like, "Can you say Double Bluff, the no. comedy podcast where we teach a lot and lie a little?" Will you say that? I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't. I doubt it. I don't think what. I could eat, and I have no shame. I don't think I could ever ask someone to say a tagline out loud. Like we we say it because we have to. Um. <laughs> <laughs> because it took us a really long time to write it. <laughs> Actually, you know what would be helpful is if we actually explained what this podcast is really quick, because we also forgot to do that today. Oh, yeah. What does this forgetting. mean? Teach a lot and lie a little. Why not? We keep forgetting. I just assume everybody's a lifelong listener. What are we going to do today, man? So uh, Renee's going to explain something to us. We actually take turns doing that. And then she's going to hide like a little, little turd in a blanket. She's going to hide a little lie. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, we're back with the really weird analogy. That's so eh? visceral. <laughs> <laughs> that was too much of an image for me. Yeah, so snake in the grass, she's going to hide something and uh, hide a lie, to be specific, while she's telling me all of these fun facts about a topic. And I have to guess which one is which. So I have to figure out which was the... Uh, I have to figure out which one is the lie and hopefully win everything by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the winner... Uh, we'll get the uh, property rights to my house oh. if you want it. Wow. Do you want to own a house with Peter? I don't want that. Um, I want your firstborn. <laughs> that's fine too. Yeah. Rumpel I won't tell Peter again. until it's too late. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's get started. Today I'm going to be talking about rivalries. Okay, so I'm going to start off by telling you a story. And I think it's a story that you are going to recognize. And I think most millennials are going to recognize. This story was a huge hit on the social media website Tumblr. Have you heard oh. of it? <laughs> Have I heard did of you, it? Did you, get your sh- did you get your shoelaces from the president? <laughs> Babe, I lived it. I remember, I remember you had to, you had these weird code words. You need to either ask uh, the question that Renee asked me or uh, mention the ball pit of doom. Uh, Yeah, the ball pit. I remember Tumblr prom. I was there for all of it, man. 2011. Do you remember the bird in the chocolate fountain? Uh, No, maybe I missed that. I was on Sherlock's side. Oh, man. (laughs) I wasn't sure. (laughs) I, uh, I pretended, okay. I wanted to be a part of Super Who Lock so bad oh. that I pretended to have watched Supernatural and Doctor Who. I'd Same. only seen Sherlock. Same. Yeah. I went really deep. Like, I remember my Facebook, you know, the banner photo was a picture of all the doctor doctors. And I knew the entire <laughs> lore of the series. Like, I knew all about the Daleks. I knew everything. I had never even watched one episode. Not I have even to one this day. <laughs> to this day, I haven't seen a single episode, but I can like tell you shit about Doctor Who, and I'm yeah. like, oh my god, Rose and Ten, <laughs> OTP, like Donna, like I know everything. I know all the companions. Yeah. I know the. I know even the episode where they meet, like where Ten and Eleven meet, and they compare the sizes <laughs> of their screwdrivers. Like I know all of the inside jokes. Oh, I guess it was Rose and Eleven. There you go. I've clearly never seen the show before. I think Ten is Christopher Eccleston, right? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. And then it's David Tennant. And then it's Matt Smith. Really? Wait, or is Matt Smith Eleven? David Tennant is Ten and Chris Eccleston is Nine. nine. I think that's how it is. Yeah. Well, okay, it doesn't matter because right now Doctor Who, or the Doctor, sorry, is a woman, actually. And that's the most exciting right. bit. Here's what we need. You know what we need? What? We need a guest to come on the episode Yeah. to do Doctor Who as their topic. <laughs> that would be so good. We'd either be so good at detecting the lie or we'd be real shit at it. I feel like if they actually probed us for details, we would be so bad at it because we haven't watched <laughs> anything. <laughs> I only know enough to have like faked my way through some Tumblr friendships. Anyway, if you were not on Tumblr between 2010 and 2015, you're probably pretty lost, but I'm going to tell you a story that you've probably still heard, okay? Okay, in 2016, 
British artist Stuart Semple released a pigment that he developed known as the pinkest pink, and he posted it with this legal writer. By adding this product to your cart, you confirm that you are not Anish Kapoor. You are in no way affiliated with Anish Kapoor. You are not purchasing this item on behalf of Anish Kapoor or an associate of Anish Kapoor. To the best of your knowledge, information, and belief, this paint will not make its way into the hands of Anish Kapoor. <laughs> I love it. This is the level of petty I aspire to be. This is petty. This is spite. It was directed at the British artist Anish Kapoor, who you probably know. He did the bean, yeah. the Chicago bean, the shiny thing um, that has a different name, but nobody cares. Um, so he created this this pigment called Vanta Black. And it's like described as like this dynamite in the art world. It absorbs 99.956% of visible light. And basically he was like, fuck all of you. Nobody is allowed to use this paint except for me. And Stuart Semple is just like a man of the people. And he was like, fuck you. I've made pink is pink. And then he made black 2.0. Mm -hmm. which is a black material that rivals Vanta Black, and it was available for purchase by anybody on the planet except Anish Kapoor. So, Carissa, yeah. have you ever had a rival or an arch nemesis? Yeah. So my arch nemesis is Putin. <laughs> it's just a fact. I always imagine that I could totally do Russia better than he ever has. And so I spend <laughs> hours sometimes coming up with like fantasies. I'll be like, if, when, if I was Dark Lord over Russia, I would make honey free for all people. And then they would all really love me. What? And I, I don't know, just something like something small and sweet and something that everyone would be like, hey, you know what? Our supreme leader's pretty cool after all. You know, it's just, it's like a small thing, but like old ladies would appreciate okay. me. And. Okay, so what I'm hearing is like, you're going to go Doug Ford buck a beer. <laughs> all of Russia. Exactly. They were like, we want human rights. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, I wouldn't. I never claimed that I would step in as Dark Lord over Russia and actually provide any material benefits for the people. No, no, no. Just like a little bit of honey, little sweet things here and there, enough to make old and very dumb people vote for me and my party and keep me in power for some time yet. Like I wouldn't give them dental care. <laughs> But what about all the honey, Carissa? There's so much sugar in the honey. Carissa, you're heading down a, a, a path of no return. Anyway. Although you don't need teeth to eat borscht. You so. do not. Or honey. You don't need teeth for honey. So. Right. You could just like fast track to like that matrix um, dystopia where we all just get feeding tubes and we oh. live in a big like egg full of uh, liquid. Dream. Anyway, so. Here's why you are not Putin's rifle. Rif <laughs> rifle. Here's why you're not his rival. This is the, 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 the rivalry. It's not the same thing as beef. Okay. okay, when we're talking about rivalries, it's not like you're fighting. It's not like you yeah. disagree with each other. Rivals can have beef. Yeah. But it's a distinct topic because it's about it's about this mutual this mutual kind of trying to outdo each other and 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 really trying to do it with excellence. Okay. You know, like it's not just fighting, it's it's the weapon of choice is the creation, mm -hmm. discovery, your art. You're just trying to use your excellence to hurt somebody else, which is really fun. 
money. Like, okay. like fuck you. I'm going to put some beautiful art into this world. Like, it's just like a bunch of nerds being really good at what they yeah. do. Yeah. To my knowledge, Putin doesn't know about you. But <laughs> maybe he should. Maybe he should write some letters. So what I'm hearing is rivalries are for vegetarian nerds. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to talk about – oh, the nerds. Oh, the nerds that we will talk about today. Um <laughs> Uh, another interesting distinction, a couple things I want to say off the top of what rivalries are not and what I will not be covering today. I will not be covering sports rivalries because, uh, I don't know, like who gives a sh- like who gives a shit? That's beef. I agree. Uh, well, no, I think it is a rivalry. I just don't give a shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing is I looked up historical rivalries and I got results of like nation rivalries like russia versus the persians like india versus pakistan and i want to be clear that's Mm -hmm. um that's called a war war yeah that's called a war yeah um the germans did not have a rivalry with the jews that's uh (laughs) that's not really accurate i feel like nation states can claim to have rivalries if it's over something stupid so you can talk about like two nations having rivalry if the rivalry is over who makes the better pancakes and that's it fair enough do you think is dubai in a rivalry with anyone rivalry not war and not (laughs) (laughs) yemen (laughs) oh no 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 yemen's not making any pancakes anytime soon you I like how I had to apologize at the beginning of this episode for being racist, and I'm definitely going to have to. Yeah, let's do it all again next week. How about that? (laughs) This is what it's like when you just walk through the world with no sense of Um, (laughs) self-awareness. You just start to say stuff that's dark. Anyway, here's another thing that's an important criteria. The rivals have to be doing the same thing. You can't be in a rivalry with Putin because Mm -hmm. you're a 23-year-old woman who is doing – you're doing your own thing, and he – He's doing his own is thing, yeah. an 110 year old yeah. vampire who's doing his own thing and he yeah. doesn't even know about you okay yeah. his his own thing is murdering innocents and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys are not doing this the same thing yeah so like the reason i say this is because when i googled like contemporary rivalries it turned up one result of neil degrasse tyson <laughs> versus disgraced flat earther bob <laughs> okay the- this is not a rivalry, okay? This is bullying a mentally ill person on Twitter, okay? <laughs> which one's which? <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to go into it now. That was the longest introduction ever, but he- here we go. We're going to talk first about historical rivalries. First of all, do you have a favorite historical rivalry? Cain and Abel. No, is that a rivalry? <gasps> Hell yeah, bitch. Wow, that's a great one. Well, I mean, they didn't do anything productive. It just ended in murder. It began and ended with murder. The like the story is basically, here are two brothers. Oops, one's dead now because the other one killed him. And that's the story. There's nothing. There's no development. Kay. Wait, 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 wait. Can you just tell me for a sec why did Cain kill Abel oh <laughs> yeah so to everyone just who didn't is there a quick up, way yeah, yeah who uh so basically what happened was Cain gives God an offering of vegetables and the choicest okay. um fruit and veggies basically and God's like 
you know what, bro? I don't fucks with that. And uh, Abel gives God a blood offering vis-a-vis a lamb, I think. I don't, I don't remember. Basically, he gives him an animal sacrifice and God loves himself some lamb chops. So he he favors Abel and Cain gets jealous and kills Abel. See, this is a rivalry. Because they're trying to do the same thing. They were trying to be God's favorite. I think that's a rivalry. And God's like the opposite of a vegan nerd. I love that. He's like, (laughs) fuck that. I need protein, man. (laughs) That's not funny. Uh, (laughs) It's funny to me. Um, Thanks. Okay. Here's the first one. I'm going to take you on a journey. It's 17th century Italy. Caravaggio is a huge, notorious asshole. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, he's wreaking havoc in your village. According to Biography.com, he was known for his drinking, gambling, sword carrying, and brawling. He was arrested for carrying a sword without a permit. He was sued for beating a man with a stick. Feels like he... (laughs) Probably could have been arrested for that. I don't know why it was all why it was civil. Um, attacking another man with a sword. He threw a plate of artichokes in a waiter's face. He threw stones at policemen. He cursed at policemen. And his landlady seized his furniture because he didn't pay rent for six months. This man sounds like the definition of a good time. And also, he was the original A cab. <laughs> exactly imagine that was just like a valid punishment today like yeah. you could just come home and all your shit is gone well, Caravaggio no, wait was all of that is a thing that happens today if you go bankrupt the oh, bank shit. can come oh, man. and take all your shit and sell it away like that's a real thing that happens oh you're right I forgot I'm sorry I'm just like I'm so well off like I don't really remember that that stuff happened it's like just pay your rent, right? Like how hard is that? Is this like is like it's hard? Um no, I'm kidding. Okay, but he could fucking paint, right? He mm-hmm. was he was a Baroque painter. He was known for these like dark palettes oh. and violent imagery. No wonder he couldn't afford his rent. <laughs> Cause he's Baroque. But I'm t- This is getting worse. Uh it's getting worse. <laughs> um so his most famous painting is Judith beheading Holofernes, which I think rules, but I know you don't really like this painting. Yeah, so there's a better painting by a female painter, and it's just, just Google Judith by female painter, and it's the first one that comes up. It's a lot more emotion in the face of Judith as she kills Holofernes, um, and it feels like she has more agency. So I, I prefer it uh, much more to Caravaggio's version, which is a lot more famous, actually. The latter is more famous, and I think it's undeserved. Yes, that's right. Although that story is pretty bomb. I remember there was this period at the beginning of our relationship where Peter just used to read me Bible stuff. Uh, don't <laughs> don't ask any more questions. It, it was fine. We, we got over it. Um, but that was a good story. If, I, if memory serves me right. Does something bad happen to Judith after that or is she fine? So actually that story is not in the Protestant Bible. So I wouldn't know. There's oh. a similar story, but that story itself is not in the book in the bible that protestants use you gotta get that king james version it's got some winners in there (laughs) so imagine sorry was go back it's in we're back in italy in the 17th century okay so caravaggio this is the hot 
artist on the market. And you are Giovanni Baglione. Okay, you're known for your fuck nothing. But for some reason, Caravaggio decides that you are now his rival and he's fucking coming for you. Okay? So they, the girls were fighting. No, no, no. But this is a man who was throwing artichokes in waiters' faces. Like, I would not want this man coming after me. He's obviously psychotic. <laughs> and, like, well, for example, Baglione once accused Caravaggio of hiring assassins to kill him kind of believable based on what we know about Caravaggio. In 1603, Baglione released an altarpiece which was poorly received and in response Caravaggio just kind of dogpiles him and he writes a horrible def de like defamation poem about Baglione. I'm going to read a couple of lines from this translation I found mm -hmm. online and don't come for me. I checked other translations and they all kind of say this is the general message mm -hmm. so he's like uh your paintings are woman's work with as much cloth as it would take to make some trousers you'll show everyone what shit really is put your drawings up mao's wife's cunt with them mm. uh, all of this all of this stuff that is actually horribly misogynistic yeah it's rather than saying anything about baglione <laughs> but it's the same vein as any insult that we have today it's more like haha you're a woman um that's why you suck but also who is mao <sighs> okay so from what i read mao is a friend of baglione his name is his full name's thomason or something like that, or Tomausen, I don't know. And and yeah, like his his wife is like, I'm not involved in this. Like, I don't know why women have to get into the crosshairs of men. You know what this reminds me of? Do you remember Drake and Meek Mill? Yeah. Like back to back? Yeah. Why did why did Drake have to drag Nikki into this? You know, like why did <laughs> why do women have to get caught in these silly Yeah these silly Rivalries. things, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> forgot what the topic is. These silly little fights. Ah, uh, this episode is called Silly Little Fights, episode nine. Okay, so Baglione sued Caravaggio for this poem, and Caravaggio lost. He spent two weeks in prison. So, who won this rivalry? I kind of think that Caravaggio probably felt by the end of his life like he lost. He kind of had a tragic end to his life. He attempted to castrate a man named Ranuccio Tomassoni and he wound up <laughs> killing him. And he had to flee Rome and live in exile. And then mm -hmm. when he was in exile, he attacked a knight and had to escape to Naples. And then that mm -hmm. knight found him and disfigured his face. And then <laughs> trying to crawl back to Rome to survive, Caravaggio died of unknown causes at 38. 38. That's basically how old most people are when they're starting their lives. 38 is yeah, not that exactly. old at all. I know. He uh, had a very short life and he chose violence every single day. <laughs> so he probably f felt like he lost, right? However, on Oxford reference, Giovanni Baglione's entry is a mere six lines long and ends with the following sentence. His hatred of Caravaggio comes out in the biography, which Baglione wrote, devoted to him. So it is ironic that his best pictures are his most Caravaggesque. Oh. 
Baglioni lost. Well, clearly, because like, did you know who he was? Like, he's just an Italian man, you know? <laughs> His name sounds like a kind of pasta. <laughs> oh my God, Baglioni is delicious. Yeah. Carissa, when you die, what would you like your biography to read? Oh my God, I want it to read so much. I literally want all the details of my life in there. You know when people are like, when I die, please delete my internet history. No. My internet history is so fun, so entertaining, so <laughs> it's histrionic. It's always like, am I going to die? And then it'll be a different symptom every day. Like one day it's like, <laughs> I have green poop. Am I going to die? Next day, today when I coughed, I felt it hurt inside a little bit. Am I going to die? <laughs> so it has- You know what I hear? <laughs> you know what I want to do when you die? Yeah. I want to do like, you know, a slideshow at your memorial yeah. as as you do. Yeah. But I want it to be all of your Instagram stories where <laughs> you do a close-up selfie of your face and you go, yeah. "Am I ugly?" <laughs> and then people have to slide that little yeah. thing yeah. to rate whether or not yeah. you're ugly cuz you do so many of those. Yeah. It's not even funny. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like should 25 I, of those Should in I a row. kill myself today? Yes or no? And then people vote and like <laughs> everyone and- <laughs> votes yes. <laughs> And, and no, you know what? I want you to show all of them and that should be the last one. And then you should be like, tragically, Carissa s- <laughs> saw that and then ended up killing herself. And that's why we're here today. And I just, I want it to be a documentary. I want everyone to watch it and be moved to tears. I want people to know that I was closeted for a hot second back in my youth. I just want all of that to be in it and uh, I want it to move some people deeply better or definitely better than Baglioni's life ever will like that's all I want I just want to be better (laughs) here I have a request here's the thing if you ever really do and first of all here I'm gonna write your biography so don't you worry okay I I know I got everything I will spare no details but if you ever do decide that you're gonna kill yourself what i want you to do is go out like caravaggio like i want you to kill multiple men yeah and then like be in exile Mm -hmm. castrate fucking artichokes (laughs) don't pay your rent like really go out and then die by 38 from not like unknown causes if that's possible yeah no i know this will get me put on some kind of list but like don't worry about it i've already planned it and i am definitely going out as some kind of eco-terrorist so (laughs) (laughs) if i'm going out i refuse to go out by myself do you know what i mean but um what i'm really like i'm so offended by baglioni's like pronouncement not Baglioni's pronouncement but the pronouncement on Baglioni because I was thinking about this and I was like imagine if someone at my death was like you know Carissa really hated Louis CK but it's funny that her best bits (laughs) were the most Louis CK of them all (laughs) I would be boiling I would come back from the grave and murder the writer himself. That would be so offensive. So yeah, Baglioni really, 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 really lost. He really lost that. Uh, It is too bad. But uh, pretty entertaining a thousand years in the future. It's not been a thousand years. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I don't know how to do math. Okay, here's the next one. Uh, This one is called 
the Bone Wars. Oh. I didn't name it. <laughs> kind of wish I did. Um, this is the <laughs> historical rivalry between Edward Drinker Cope and Othniel Charles Marsh. Othniel. Um, That's the most <laughs> badass is it- name. <laughs> Othniel is Othniel's a little bit geekier. Maybe it's Othniel actually, but it 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 just sounds like a very Game of Thrones esque name. Yes, you're right. Let's bring back this weird fucking name. Yeah, Othniel. Okay, these are two warring paleontologists, and this is a this this is Uh, a don't don't say paleontologist because every time i hear the word paleontologist i think about the worst character to ever grace television ever ross geller and (laughs) i always curse paleontologists for helping to birth such a horrifically dweeby character so this is my least favorite segment just because it involves my least favorite profession of all time well that and like murderers and stuff I like to construct one of those memes where it's like the tiny domino and it's like dinosaurs and then like it knocks down the huge domino and it's like (laughs) Ross Geller. You know what I mean? Maybe we can make this happen. Yeah. Maybe with a little bit of effort I can just make a very simple meme, you know? Okay. So I'm going to try to do this one really quick because it's kind of long. But uh, these two started off as best buddies, okay? Marsh was a dude with a rich uncle. Cope was a dude with rich parents. Can I make it? any more obvious um marsh was a straight and narrow guy he went to prestigious schools he was a professor at yale cope was a draft dodger who dropped out of high school and then just went outside (laughs) and was considered a scientist because back then if you were a man that was a qualification you could just go outside you drew pictures of birds and you were like this is it this is good this is good work that's science exactly um, so they met in Germany during the Civil War. They're Americans. Does that um, make it worse? It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helps to, to frame it because America is really land of the dinosaurs, right? Like the North America is like that, that's the big stage where paleontology kind of got started. So they, they were in Germany during the Civil War and they met and they became best friends. Now, the rivalry started when Cope invited Marsh to one of his digs and there was like a fuck ton of bones and fossils and like lots of discoveries to be made. And so what Cope was doing, he he was paying the miners who were working the pits to like send their finds to him. He's like, this is my dig. Uh, send the finds to me. When Marsh got there, he literally looked around and he was like, um, yeah, I'm um, I'm going to take this. <laughs> I'm just going to take this now. He bribed the workers to send the bones to his study instead. Okay, wait. So I get why you wanted to specify that they were Americans, because this is such an (laughs) American. He looked at it and he said, this is mine now. Yeah, he was like, I'm just going to. They were just fighting each other with exploitation. Like, they were (laughs) like, I can exploit the workers more than you can. (laughs) So from that point on, they basically divided the entire paleontology world. So if you were like just a just a humble digger and you made a discovery, you had to decide whether to send your findings to Cope or Marsh. They spent decades trying to outdo each other. They discovered Triceratops, Apatosaurus, uh, Ceratosaurus. But they also destroyed a lot of specimens because their policy was like, if you're working for me, and you can't get those bones out, 
you better destroy them so that the other person doesn't get it. They fucked up probably the discovery of a lot of fun dinosaurs that could have been in all of the Jurassic Park movies, which is uh, kind of a shame. <laughs> so they just mutually assured each other's destruction, basically. They just went for it. Yeah. They were, they were nerds without principles, which mm. is, we don't like that. We mm. don't really like that. And paleontologists did not like that, actually. Like, they were, they, they, like, journals stopped agreeing to print their papers because they didn't want to get involved. And both of these men went completely broke trying to outdo each other for the rest of their lives. Good. That's that's a good, like, karma. Karma, what goes around comes around. That's not really true. There are murderers working in high-level jobs today with no consequences. But, you know, sometimes what goes around comes around. So they deserved. They deserved to go broke. Yeah. Fuck everything they did for our knowledge about dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm sure somebody else could have done it and been nicer about it. That's yeah. the thing. I bet if we just waited 100 years for women to be allowed to be paleontologists, we could have we could have just done it. You know, we could have just found it and been really nice yeah. about it. I mean, women have rivalries too, but I think it would have been less annoying to hear about. Like, no, destroy specimens because you have a rivalry? That's not very productive. That's not very sportsmanlike of anyone. But, I mean, it makes sense. They're, they're uh, at, this, at the height of discovery, right, where everything is new, everything is fresh. They probably think, hey, there's a billion bones that I still haven't dug up. There's infinite possibility at the beginning of whatever they're at, right? They're at the beginning of the age of the paleontologist. Mm -hmm. So can I hate them? Yes. But should I? Probably not. <laughs> Will I? <laughs> also, yes. <laughs> All right. That's fair. But, I mean, thanks for mentioning women rivalries. We're going to get to some of those a little bit later. Uh, here's one more historical rivalry that... I uh, didn't know about, and I don't think a lot of people did know about. Do you know about the rivalry between Arthur Conan Doyle and Harry Houdini? So these two guys, they obviously had very different professions. So it may seem like, you know, how could this be a rivalry? But actually, what a lot of people don't know is they shared a common field, which is spiritualism. Oh. So this is the, this is like ghosts and shit. This is yeah. the belief that the human body contains a spirit which can continue on after death. So this is actually like a lovers to enemies story because they began <laughs> as like super tight friends, high respect. But then as they both started into this field of spirituality, it caused them to turn on each other. And they spent their careers trying to prove each other wrong. ACD wrote a series of books about spiritualism. Like he was into mediums and seances. He was like, he was all the way. He actually believed that Houdini possessed magical powers and he would write that in his books. <laughs> uh, he was obsessed. I, mm, uh, is this a movie? <laughs> is this a potential romantic comedy starring Ben Affleck and Matt Damon movie? That could be, I don't ben know. Affleck I don't know. We Matt could talk Damon. about it. <laughs> I don't this know. This is your go-to actors to be romantic. I couldn't think of two. I couldn't think of two. Can you name a better, what's your, what's your fan cast for this? For uh, Arthur Conan Doyle? Okay. Uh, obviously... It would be Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> it's like super hunky. <laughs> and for Harry and, Houdini, uh, who's Houdini, Charlie Chaplin. 
Is it like a CGI reanimated Charlie Chaplin? And so the behind the scenes of it is Chris Hemsworth just making out with a green ball. Okay, so that was ACD. Houdini, on the other hand, spent his entire career trying to prove that magic and spirits are not real. (laughs) And he hated being referred to as a magician. So like he was writing books on like exposing magicians as fraud, um, who claimed to be like aided by spirits in their magic acts. So there were these 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 two guys, the Davenport brothers. And so the Davenport brothers, in their act, they mimicked an indigenous ceremonial practice called the shaking tent. And this is this is a practice where a shaman would be bound inside of a tent and then the sounds of musical instruments would emerge. So they saw this. It's believed, sorry, that they saw this act and they appropriated it basically and they showed it to white audiences and they called it the spirit cabinet. Houdini wrote a book exposing these guys as frauds and then ACD wrote a book about these guys arguing that they were genuinely communing with the spirits. (laughs) So they were just basically trying to, you know, whatever, prove each other wrong. So here's the incident that basically killed their friendship. In 1922, ACD's wife, uh, so she she's a medium, actually. So she oh. was she was doing seances. So she held a seance with Houdini. Um, so she claimed to be contacting Houdini's dead mother. No. During the seance, Houdini, like, acted as if he was genuinely moved by the seance. Basically, how the seance worked is Gene did, I forget what this is called, but it's the type of seance where the ghost like possesses your body and you write, you you write messages from that person. So Houdini, after this, publicly announced that he thought it was bullshit. He did not believe that the 15 pages of grammatical English were a genuine message from beyond the grave because his mother's English had been terrible. (laughs) So, in response to this event, it is believed that ACD wrote Houdini into one of his home stories in the collection The Casebook of Sherlock Holmes. So in this story, Holmes investigates the mysterious death of a character named Trevor Presbury, a famed escapist who dies catastrophically during one of his performances, where he is bound and locked inside a box, submerged in water, and subsequently drowns. And I love this because Arthur Conan Doyle was like, okay, you make fun of my wife, die. (laughs) Literally I'm going to vividly imagine your death, exactly. (laughs) So by the end of their lives, they were not friends anymore. Arthur Conan Doyle and I had many similarities and just love the uh, like i just love the fact that we both have written fan fiction about our enemies dying because we didn't get our way you know like i write mine about putin and he writes his about houdini but (laughs) what's the best way that you could imagine like you could write putin dying in a fanfic wait are we gonna get killed Honey, like the like the wicker man. Yeah, style? like honey all Ooh. over his body, and then he gets eaten by insects. Oh my god, we might get killed for for this. <laughs> we might get killed for this. Mysteriously kill ourselves with a bullet to the back of our heads. <laughs> okay, so now I want to talk about where are the women rivalries? 
Where are they? Mm-hmm. Here they are. Here are some honorable mentions that I, I'm not going to talk about, but th- these are some famous, famous ones. Okay, so Mary Stuart, Queen of Scots versus Elizabeth I. And I'm not going to tell this story because I'm sure you've seen the Margot Robbie film. <laughs> Tanya Harding versus Nancy Kerrigan. Yes. I'm not going to tell this one because I'm sure you've seen the Margot Robbie film. And Tyra Banks versus Naomi Campbell. Margot Robbie to star in 2022, playing Tyra Banks. <laughs> and Naomi Campbell, played by CGI double Margot Robbie. That's my fan cast. No, I'm kidding. I just like hearing the word Margot Robbie. So I don't know if you noticed, but I like every time you said Margot Robbie, I was just like, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie. In the back. <laughs> I actually did. I was like, what is she muttering? <laughs> um, you once called me basic for saying that because I said that Margot Robbie is in my god tier of like, yeah, attraction. That is basic. That is basic. That's not basic. That's, that's no. It's basic. That's just logical. Margot Robbie is so obviously hot. Like it's not a. I would consider you super, super unique if you said to me, "Hey, you know who I find like attractive with no trace of irony?" Like you were like, "I find Danny DeVito extremely attractive." Then I'd be like, "Okay, you're not basic. You have an extremely unique sense of taste in other human beings." <laughs> okay. I love how you're pretending that you wouldn't roast me for that when like anytime <laughs> I say a man I'm attracted to, you like go off the rails you're like he's so ugly your threshold for ugly with men is quite uh, quite high i guess like you think most men are ugly and i am i am attracted to some ugly men i'm not gonna lie sasha baron cohen as borat hideous is basically my dream guy you're brainwashed you were brainwashed as a child or something i don't know because that's not an answer (laughs) that any sane person but see okay that that that's an awful answer terrible i wish i'd never heard it but um it means you're not basic at least with regards to your taste in men i suppose but everyone everyone and their grandmother finds margot robbie attractive okay that's not a reason to like deny that she's attractive though like that i I can't just like put her on my shit tier just come like she's too popular (laughs) she's she needs to be knocked down a peg. She needs to be put on the bottom tier of an <laughs> unknown stand-up comedian's attraction list. Um, yeah. Okay. 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 So I'm going to start with one of the most famous female pop culture rivalries: mm. um, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Ooh. Do you know about this one? You're very old Hollywood. So I, I love old Hollywood. So I would recommend there's this YouTube channel called Be Kind Rewind. And she does a bunch of these old Hollywood stories. And she looks at like all the old actresses that were nominated for Oscars and whatnot. And kind of gives you a rundown of that. So uh, it's a recommendation from me to you. It's a gift. Um, but yeah, I do know about the uh, rivalry between Betty Davis or Joan, uh, and Joan Crawford. Except, here's the thing, all the names of the actresses tend to, like, kind of flood together in my mind. So, maybe I know about the rivalry between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Or maybe it's an actual rivalry between Betty Davis and, I don't know, Anne Baxter. And I just, I would have no actual clue because I don't remember any of their names correctly. I feel like, first of all, I'm not sure that Betty Davis had multiple 
historic rivalries. If she did, she's the problem, honestly. <laughs> um, you know what they say about difficult people. Wait, so just to place them, just to make sure I get the right. Oh, yes. Betty Davis is the one with the skinny eyebrows and the curly hair. And uh, yes. Joan Crawford is the one with the thick eyebrows and the wavy hair. Yes, that's right. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think. I don't really know. I, I only know them from like three degrees of separation type references like she's got Betty Davis eyes and I assume that she had nice eyes and like Joan Crawford is like no wire hangers ever and so I don't even I don't know the source material very well so okay all of this started when Betty Davis was a rising star so Joan Crawford had been a couple years ahead of her you know established career Betty Davis was on the come up and she was about to enter this new phase of stardom with like this huge film uh it's called X Lady and it was meant to receive a ton of press and on the same day that the studio was going to do a huge media blitz about this movie Joan Crawford announced her divorce of Douglas Fairbanks Jr. And this tanked to the press that Betty Davis was supposed to get. Like the studio was just like, fuck this. We're not even talking about this. Like this is all, mm. this is all I care about for the next mm -hmm. forever. And she was, this was the first time she was pissed about it. Then in 1935, Betty Davis fell in love with her co-star of the film Dangerous. His name was French Tone, I want to say. Mm. It's spelled kind of weird and she admitted it you know she fell in love with him professionally and privately is what she said these are very intense things to say to the media <laughs> i kind of dig that actually um i want to just go declaring my crushes and then regretting it um but during the filming of that movie, Crawford announced her engagement to Franchotto. And she said that he thought Betty was a good actress, but he never thought of her as a woman. Oh. So then things start to get snipey back and forth. At the Oscars, where Betty Davis had won this one time, Joan Crawford made a comment about her dress being shitty. I don't know. <laughs> Joan Crawford had sent her like like Betty Davis flowers to her room to apologize and Betty Davis returned them. Oh. Um, Betty Davis refused to sign a film with Joan Crawford. It was it was a, a movie about women in prison. And here's where things take a turn. She called the film a dyke movie. <laughs> there was a rumor <laughs> There was a rumor that Joan Crawford was in love with Betty Davis. And she ah. didn't, and Betty Davis didn't want to be involved. Oh. Apparently, Joan Crawford had been quoted as saying, I wouldn't mind giving her a poke if I was in the right mood. <laughs> Sorry, have you heard of this before? No, well, I always, heard of this? Um, so I knew that Joan Crawford was rumored to be a lesbian, right? That was what I knew. Mm -hmm. And I also knew about the Dyke movie thing, I think. Oh, you Again. did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember vaguely that fact in my head. Um, but I did not know that there were rumors that Joan Crawford had a crush on Betty Davis. So that's new. That yes. Is, yeah. But I, I'm uh, I'm just like, I'm so in awe of the fact that Joan Crawford looked at this woman who hated her and was like, you know what? I wouldn't mind poking that if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Do I sense another rom-com? opportunities and uh, no you um, don't because betty davis hates dyke movies so <laughs> 
fuck her who cares she's dead um wow i shouldn't say that um (laughs) so betty davis was actually cast as joan crawford in like a biopic called the star and it depicted crawford as like a washed up actress clinging to her dying fame the two were cast together in a thriller called whatever happened to baby jane and it was about two sisters like terrorizing and fighting each other and the rumors are that during filming they used to actually physically hurt each other like during the fight scenes they were not pulling their punches and like people they were bruised and like beaten and dragged across the floor like actual fighting but um so are you googling no that is illegal i'm not googling anything about anything else but i'm trying to just rejig my memory yes I did watch two entire videos about this feud, and I remember absolutely nothing. But I do remember. <laughs> wow, you yeah. might have to. Ha- you might get demerit points for that. You are not allowed to type. No, no, no. I was just looking up if I had watched the videos because I was like, wait a minute, why does everything that you're telling me sound so familiar? And then I remembered I literally watched a two-part series about the feud between Joan and Betty, and. And um, I would just like to say that, yes, there were rumors that they were actually fighting on set. Like, yeah. But I think the rumors were false because as far as I can tell, they were actually really civil to each other. They didn't like each other and they never did. But they were pretty uh, professional. They were two very professional women. Well, it is more interesting to believe salacious rumors. (laughs) (laughs) So I uh, so here's one more final one about Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. In 1977, when Joan Crawford died, Betty Davis is quoted as saying, you should never say bad things about the dead. You should only say good. Joan Crawford is dead. Good. (laughs) It may not be real, but it is hilarious. It is the kind of ending line a comedian dreams they can deliver. Like, it's the kind of eulogy that you wish you get to say. Like, you know, it's perfect. Yes, exactly. And it's funny, like, there's a a lot of these rivalries end, you know, not because they make up, but because one of them dies. And it's like, I bet the person who's still alive is like, well, yeah, I won that shit. But it's like, I don't know. Who won that one? Who won that one? Joan Crawford, because she was probably gay. (laughs) She had the eyebrows for it. Swear to God, she had the best eyebrows. Like, everyone should look at her I'm going to have to Google this eyebrow thing. Yeah, her Um, eyebrows are amazing. They should write a song about that. She's got Joan Crawford's eyebrow structure. (laughs) And then you look up the lyrics on Genius, and it's, like, thick with two Cs. (laughs) (laughs) This line was written because Joan Crawford's eyebrows were dummy thick. Um, So... I just want to say a couple words sorry about this so this this rivalry clearly it made an imprint on popular culture you know about it mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a new series about it people kind of you know they thrived on the female rivalry and i want to talk about that a little bit female rivalry psychology what it means for us socially mm-hmm. i would say nowadays mm-hmm. people don't really like these stories these like girl fight cat fight stories so this is this is a quote from refinery 29 that i think kind of captures it so mostly it all comes down to the idea that there isn't enough room at the top for two women of equal standing to respect each other they must according to conventional wisdom be exchanging shady remarks or glances dr martha lausen says 
Pitting women against women or encouraging women to distrust one another has been a deeply embedded feature of our culture. So what do you think about this idea? I mean, yeah, it's uh, sexism and misogyny 101 is the idea that women don't get along with each other. Like you, you think of the eternal stories that we've inherited, right? Like I'm thinking back to the Bible and the stories of the women, the first women that you meet, if it's more than one woman, they're in a rivalry with each other usually over a man and then you think Mm. about modern day archetypes like i remember growing up with betty and veronica as like my uh Mm. childhood media and it's like two women when they're in the same room yes they can be friendly but they're never really going to like each other because women are catty women can't be trusted to not talk about each other behind their backs um and so Mm -hmm. on and so forth and a bunch of different stereotypes about what women are capable of and what two intelligent women are capable of together in a relationship but also Mm There is a space, I think, for a healthy disagreement that gets caught up in the girl bossification of women's rivalries, <laughs> right? Is that, yeah. like, yeah. you think about Betty and Joan, they were two women who hated each other specifically, not just because they were two women at the top and that was inevitable, but because they were two different people. One was a homophobe. Mm-hmm. The other one liked the fact that the other one was a homophobe. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, and so yeah. rivalries like this happen because women are human beings and that should be allowed and it shouldn't be, I don't think it should be given too much attention, even though it is entertaining. I don't think it should be given too much ent- uh, attention because the prevailing narrative is that women are just prone to rivalry between ourselves, right? So mm-hmm. the most neutral kind of press it can get is the best for us all as women. Um, but as a purely entertainment-minded person, female rivalries are the fucking best because they're so dumb. <laughs> they're so petty. Look at this. This this is like she sent her flowers. The other one sent them back. Caravaggio, he sent her. He sent him assassins. Like it's so much worse. <laughs> I know. Well, like, see, that's all of this is kind of what I was hoping, you know, we would get to and you would say is like, listen, to to research for this episode, I scrolled through page after page after page of male rivalries of history, of fiction, all of it. What I think is like, first of all, I agree with everything you said and I agree with, you know, the quote that I had read. But I think jealousy, competitiveness and the desire to elevate like these are a part of a hum- the human experience. And like the problem is that when women show these traits, we attribute them to to them being woman and, and woman nature. I don't know. Like I-, I don't mind these women rivalry stories as much because first of all, men have rivalries all the time. I think that we can't really imagine or want for women to be like peaceful utopian creatures with no sense of self who just like lift each other up like yeah i think that's just creepy like that's how we get women <laughs> multi-level marketing schemes like that's yeah. not like it's just mm-hmm. it's not really it's not really whole it's not a really whole understanding like, women are selfish and arrogant mm-hmm. and jealous like i'm all of mm-hmm. those things like i want mm-hmm. success i want recognition just like mm-hmm. all these bullshit men that i just talked about like mm-hmm. you know we all want that mm-hmm. um all of that being said i'm about to talk about the pettiest <laughs> and the worst rivalry 
possibly in all of history. <laughs> We're going to talk about, to end this off, Taylor Swift versus Katy Perry. Oh. I'm going to toss you the ball first, Carissa. What was this beef about? Wrong answers only. World peace. <laughs> it was about um, complex political human rights issues. Yeah. They were fighting over Yemen. <laughs> Which one's pro not Yemen? Uh, <laughs> obviously Taylor. I'm sorry. <laughs> or are you a Taylor stan? I'm a Taylor stan. You were only a Taylor stan. You're only a Taylor Swift stan because you thought that her and Kyle Claus were dating. Yeah, thought. Think, think. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about Taylor's new short film? I don't know what that is. I haven't watched it. I refuse to watch anything that she produces that's like a throwback. Like, I'll listen to the music, right? Because it's like, oh, okay, this is the stuff I grew up listening to. But I'm not going to watch you. I'm not going to watch a video that you made that's obviously just to get people to buy an album like you don't really care about what happened to you this much like like she's a very savvy businesswoman but like you cannot care about a relationship that happened 10 years ago that lasted for three months like it, it's i'm probably with you on that one i will not be watching it yeah um how much do you know about this by the way like how likely am i to be able to get a lie past you with this stuff. <laughs> um, likely or I know unlikely? I know the fair the odds like the I know I know a fair odd bit about it. Okay. That doesn't give me a lot of information. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, so they started out as friends, you of know, course. uh during Taylor Swift's Fearless tour. Katy Perry showed up and they did a duet to Hot and Cold. That's cute. Their feud started for the dumbest reason I have ever read in my life. I actually like had to read this multiple times because I was like, it, this cannot be why. Why we spent like almost a decade in this feud. This started because three of Taylor's backup dancers left Taylor's tour to join Katy Perry on tour. And Taylor accused Katy of sabotage trying to hire a bunch of people out from under me. Huh? Who gives a f- 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 Who gives a fuck? You're Taylor Swift. Hire three more backup dancers. I don't understand. They're just like trying- They are just working. This is not a plot. I- can you imagine being these backup dancers? Like you probably just get more pay with Katy Perry and you leave and then you realize like it's like it, like behind you everything's on fire and you look back and you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> right? Like I, I want an interview with those three yeah. backup dancers. But so that's how it started. And, and many believe that the deeply terrible Taylor Swift song Bad Blood mm -hmm. is about Katy Perry. <laughs> And then years later, Katy Perry released the deeply terrible song Swish Swish. Okay, wait. Which no. some people believe is about Taylor Swift. Swish Swish, bitch. What? Is so good. It is legitimately it good. Is it is legitimately not. good. It is. It is. Swish Swish, bitch. And another one hits the basket. It's, it's a... <laughs> mm hmm So clearly it's not. Like, clearly, you and I were looking at each other. We know this is not a good song. No, no, no. But um, I actually legitimately like Swish Swish. <laughs> okay. But can we agree that Bad Blood was a bad song? And now we got bad. Yeah, no. It was a bad song. It was a bad song. Right. I agree. It was not good. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, my lesbian roommates in university were huge Taylor Swift stands. And they, they played that song so much. And yeah. I was like, 
The things that you Woolawoos will do <laughs> Woolawoos, for Taylor yeah. Swift. <laughs> I love, I don't know Kidding. if you heard me, even when you said <laughs> multi-level marketing scheme, I just was like, them in the back. Like, I love saying. <laughs> so then after all this shit, the Twitter bullshit starts to go in. After the 2015 VMAs, like, Nicki Minaj gets involved for some reason. So, well, actually, no, she's for a valid reason. So she criticizes the VMAs because she didn't get a nomination for Anaconda, which is, like, a wildly popular music video. And she mm-hmm. was saying that all of the nominated videos celebrated women with very slim bodies. This is a valid criticism. To this, Taylor accused Nikki of trying to pit women against each other, and then Katie accused Taylor of herself profiting off the takedown of a woman, aka herself. So this is just getting messy, okay? Yeah. Were you like a big Twitter person? Were you following this? I wasn't following it on Twitter. I was following it via BuzzFeed articles. But yeah, I remember Taylor just being like, let's all just be friends, you know? And it's like Nicki Minaj bringing up a very valid point about how certain kinds of women are stigmatized in the music industry. Although I don't know if her point stands so, so much, okay? Um, Given the popularity of Anaconda just by itself. But um, Right. But anyway, the point is that Taylor Swift... No matter how much I like her or no much of uh, a fan I am, she can be a little bit of a piss baby sometimes. <laughs> Thank you. This is Battle of the Piss Babies. That, that's the exact word I was looking for. And guess what? We didn't have to say bitch or cunt or twat or anything or tabernacle, right? Piss baby. Great. That's a great word. Thank you. In 2016, Katie released a perfume called Mad Love, which is a lyric from the deeply terrible song Bad Blood. Katy Perry posted a video of herself dancing to the Kanye West song Famous at exactly the moment he's rapping about Taylor calling her a bitch. What What a piss, baby. Yeah. Both of them. All of them. Finally. Taylor posted on Instagram that Katie sent her a literal olive branch to her dressing room on the first night of her reputation tour. A very nice gesture, a deeply terrible album. (laughs) And then Katie later appeared in You Need to Calm Down, which was a complete bop. Was it? I can't believe you're dunking on Swish Swish, bitch. (laughs) You Need to Calm uh, Down was very misguided, but fun. Yeah, it had lesbians and gays. And so, yeah, it was like Katie, no, it was Taylor's attempt at reaching across the divide. It was also the first year she'd actually made a political statement, as far as I can remember. Because um, oh, Taylor really? forever was like, a she was clinging to her country sweetheart and she was never political. But that was the year she comes out with uh, You Need to Calm Down, which is a very pro-LGBT song and also comes out with a you should vote for a democrat so good for her right well here's my thing i think if your first pro-gay political statement is in what was that 2019 like it's just a bit late it's just a little she's a deeply closeted lesbian renee it's okay oh yeah yeah it's just her internalized homophobia of course (laughs) my dog's being the worst right now okay that is uh that's it for me now it's your turn all right what do you think so okay there's quite a bit here to dig through but what really stands out to me is caravaggio i feel like like everything else 
I kind of knew something about, right? So we've covered so far, just jig my memory, uh, or sorry, so just jog my memory. Um, we've done Anish Kapoor and uh, Stuart Simple. I knew that story. We've done Caravaggio and Baglioni, Pasta Boy, literally. We've done we've done Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. We've mm-hmm. done we did the Bone Taylor Wars. Swift. We did the Bone Wars, and we've done Battle of the Piss Babies. So mm-hmm. we've done five so far, and I'm just so and suspicious about the Caravaggio one. Wait, Arthur Conan Doyle and Harry Houdini make six? Okay, so the reason why I completely didn't even like include that is because I know the story is true. Like, I know that story. Unfortunately, the rivalries that I you brought, like, here's the thing, I'm a... I'm a deeply conflict-driven person. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is... It's what I thrive on. I love... Like, we were talking about fights, actually, before this episode started, and I was like, oh, yeah, Renee, like, I can count on, like, one hand how many friends I've actually had a fight with. And Renee went, what? What? <laughs> like, yeah. She was so surprised. Yeah, the lie detector determined that was a lie. That can't be real. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm hilariously given to conflict. Like, it's what I was born to do. And so I have spent quite a bit of my time also reading about it. So I know the Houdini and Sherlock story is true. I've read a Tumblr post about it sometime, somewhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so the Caravaggio one stands out to me. Uh, the only problem is I don't know what part is a lie. Like, there's a part of me that's sort of deeply suspicious about the fact that he threw stones at a police officer because I can't imagine police officers being an actual thing whenever... Car- like, I don't know when Caravaggio was around. Like, was he around early Renaissance? Like, like 15th century? Late. Is Baroque to 18th century? It's the 18th century, which makes it 1700s. Ah, 1700s. Did they have police officers then? Probably, right? But I don't know. I, that whole... Okay, so give me... give Because me, I have lost every episode since we restarted. Just give me... Throw me a bone. Tell me am I in the right area. No. No, you're not. <laughs> You're not in the right area. Okay, so Caravaggio and Baglioni are all true, eh? That's crazy. That's so sad for Baglioni. Pretty yeah. <laughs> yeah it's pretty sad. <laughs> so sad He's for like, Baglioni. He's like, he got a 17th, <laughs> like an 18th century diss track written about him, essentially. Oh my yeah. god. I literally can't tell what was a lie. Okay, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna start with Stuart Simple. No, that wasn't a lie. That's part of the intro. There are no rules about where the lie has to be. So you never know. Simple. Well, okay. You give me two colors that that Stuart Simple. This is did the lie have to do something with that? Maybe. Um, you ca- you maybe. can't play like this. You're you're just hungry, hungry hippoing like. <laughs> Hints and clues and shit and like guesses and like that is not how we do this. It's very okay. It's been structured. Okay, Betty Davis, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. I feel like everything there was the truth because I'm freaking. If I if I freaking watched a two part series on their feud and there's a lie hidden in there, then I am going to yeet myself off of my roof. I swear to God. (laughs) 
Because I do not deserve to have a brain that, like, I cannot call my brain a working brain. Okay, so I'm just going to say the lie was that Stuart Simple came up with a black 2.0. Or maybe the pinkest pink. Okay, I'm locking my answer in. No. No. Oh, that's like, not right. I knew it. I knew it. What was the, what was the lie? What was you the panic. Lie? You panic submitted that. You submitted that like it was 1159. Okay. The lie was Sherlock Holmes never wrote a short story about Harry Houdini. Ah! I made up the short story. No. 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 I was so confident. I was. Yeah. I was like, I want to write a whole Sherlock Holmes story. And then I went. I had it actually a lot longer, and then I started panicking. I was like, I was like she's going to find me out if I start, like, going into the plot. That was so good. I literally, like, no, and here's why it was so good. Because you probably knew that I knew about Sherlock Holmes. I mean, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle and Harry Houdini, because that's a really famous rivalry. So you put that with a very strong truth. Like, it's a fact. Like, you put it. That was so that was That was way better than my old lie. No, this episode. <laughs> No, it, I think it was a white lie. Like, well, okay, it wasn't a white lie. I created an entire short story. Lie. But, like, lie. it felt like something that was pretty plausible. And I love how we both started off this episode by proclaiming how into Sherlock we were. And i that's not something <laughs> I predicted ha- happening. It just so happened that we, you know, we, it was a little foreshadowing. It was a little... Oh. That sucks for me, but that was a great lie. This is a great episode. I had a lot of fun going through all these rivalries. So thank you for bringing them to our attention, Renee. This has been awesome. Thank you. All right. It has been awesome. It's been a long, it's been a long one. Thanks for sticking around. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. This is Double Bluff. Goodbye.